Chapter Fourteen of *The Hour of the Dragon* by Robert E. Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fourteen, The Black Hand of Set. Conan woke from a sound sleep as quickly and instantly as a cat, and like a cat, he was on his feet with his sword out before the man who had touched him could so much as draw back. "'What word, Puglio?' demanded Conan, recognizing his host. The gold lamp burned low, casting a mellow glow over the thick tapestries and the rich coverings of the couch whereon he had been reposing. Puglio, recovering from the start given him by the sudden action of his awakening guest, replied, "'The Zingaran has been located. He arrived yesterday at dawn. Only a few hours ago he sought to sell a huge, strange jewel to a Shemitish merchant, but the Shemite would have naught to do with it. Men say he turned pale beneath his black beard at the sight of it, and, closing his stall, fled as from a thing accursed. "'It must be Belloso,' muttered Conan, feeling the pulse in his temples, pounding with impatient eagerness. "'Where is he now?' "'He sleeps in the house of Servio.' i know that dive of old grunted conan i'd better hasten before some of these waterfront thieves cut his throat for the jewel he took up his cloak and flung it over his shoulders then donned a helmet publio had procured for him have my steeds saddled and ready in the court said he i may return in haste i shall not forget this night's work publio a few moments later publio standing at a small outer door watched the king's tall figure receding down the shadowy street farewell to you corsair muttered the merchant this must be a notable jewel to be sought by a man who has just lost a kingdom i wish i had told my knaves to let him secure it before they did their work but then something might have gone awry let argos forget amra and let my dealings with him be lost in the dust of the past. In the alley behind the house of Servio, that is where Conan will cease to be a peril to me. Servio's house, a dingy, ill-famed den, was located close to the wharves facing the waterfront. It was a shambling building of stone and heavy ship beams, and a long, narrow alley wandered up alongside it. Conan made his way along the alley, and as he approached the house he had an uneasy feeling that he was being spied upon. He stared hard into the shadows of the squalid buildings, but saw nothing, though once he caught the faint rasp of cloth or leather against flesh. But that was nothing unusual. Thieves and beggars prowled these alleys all night, and they were not likely to attack him after one look at his size and harness. But suddenly a door opened in the wall ahead of him, and he slipped into the shadow of an arch. A figure emerged from the open door and moved along the alley, not furtively, but with a natural noiselessness like that of a jungle beast. Although starlight filtered into the alley to silhouette the man's profile, dimly, as he passed the doorway where Conan lurked. The stranger was a Stygian. There was no mistaking that hawk-faced shaven head even in the starlight, nor the mantle over the broad shoulders. He passed on down the alley in the direction of the beach, 
and once conan thought he must be carrying a lantern among his garments for he caught a flash of lambent light just as the man vanished but the cimmerian forgot the stranger as he noticed that the door through which he had emerged still stood open conan had intended entering by the main entrance and forcing servio to show him the room where the zingaran slept but if he could get into the house without attracting anyone's attention so much the better a few long strides brought him to the door and as his hand fell on the lock he stifled an involuntary grunt his practiced fingers skilled among the thieves of zamora long ago told him that the lock had been forced apparently by some terrific pressure from the outside that had twisted and bent the heavy iron bolts tearing the very sockets loose from the jams how such damage could have been wrought so violently without awakening everyone in the neighborhood conan could not imagine but he felt sure that it had been done that night a broken lock if discovered would not go unmended in the house of servio in the neighborhood of thieves and cutthroats conan entered stealthily poignard at hand wondering how he was to find the chamber of the zingaran groping in total darkness he halted suddenly he sensed death in that room as a wild beast senses it not as peril threatening him but a dead thing something freshly slain in the darkness his foot hit and recoiled from something heavy and yielding with a sudden premonition he groped along the wall until he found the shelf that supported the brass lamp with its flint steel and tinder beside it a few seconds later a flickering uncertain light sprang up and he stared narrowly about him a bunk built against the rough stone wall a bare table and a bench completed the furnishings of the squalid chamber an inner door stood closed and bolted and on the hard beaten dirt floor lay beloso on his back he lay with his head drawn back between his shoulders so that he seemed to stare with his wide glassy eyes at the sooty beams of the cobwebbed ceiling his lips were drawn back from his teeth in a frozen grin of agony his sword lay near him still in its scabbard his shirt was torn open and on his brown muscular breast was the print of a black hand thumb and forefingers plainly distinct conan glared in silence feeling the short hairs bristle at the back of his neck crom he muttered the black hand of set he had seen that mark of old the death mark of the black priests of set the grim cult that ruled in dark stygia and suddenly he remembered that curious flash he had seen emanating from the mysterious stygian who had emerged from this chamber the heart by crom he muttered he was carrying it under his mantle he stole it he burst that door by his magic and slew Beloso. He was a priest of Set. A quick investigation confirmed at least part of his suspicions. The jewel was not on the Zingaran's body. An uneasy feeling rose in Conan that this had not happened by chance or without design, 
a conviction that the mysterious Stygian galley had come into the harbor of Mesantia on a definite mission. How could the priests of Set know that the heart had come southward? Yet the thought was no more fantastic than the necromancy that could slay an armed man by the touch of an open, empty hand. A stealthy footfall outside the door brought him round like a great cat. With one motion, he extinguished the lamp and drew his sword. His ears told him that men were out there in the darkness, were closing in on the doorway. As his eyes became accustomed to the sudden darkness, he could make out dim figures ranging the entrance. He could not guess their identity, but as always, he took the initiative leaping suddenly forth from the doorway without awaiting the attack. His unexpected movement took the skulkers by surprise. He sensed and heard men close about him, saw a dim masked figure in the starlight before him, then his sword crunched home, and he was fleeing away down the alley before the slower-thinking and slower-acting attackers could intercept him. As he ran, he heard, somewhere ahead of him, a faint creak of oarlocks, and he forgot the men behind him. A boat was moving out into the bay. Gritting his teeth, he increased his speed, but before he reached the beach, he heard the rasp and creak of ropes and the grind of the great sweep in its socket. Thick clouds rolling up from the sea obscured the stars. In thick darkness, Conan came upon the strand, straining his eyes out across the black restless water. Something was moving out there, a long, low black shape that receded in the darkness, gathering momentum as it went. To his ears came the rhythmic clack of long oars. He ground his teeth in helpless fury. It was the Stygian galley, and she was racing out to sea, bearing with her the jewel that meant to him the throne of Aquilonia. With a savage curse, he took a step toward the waves that lapped against the sands, catching at his halbert and intending to rip it off and swim after the vanishing ship. Then the crunch of a heel in the sand brought him about. He had forgotten his pursuers. Dark figures closed in on him with a rush of feet through the sands. The first went down beneath the Cimmerian's flailing sword, but the others did not falter. Blades wickered dimly about him in the darkness or rasped on his mail. Blood and entrails spilled over his hand, and someone screamed as he ripped murderously upward. A muttered voice spurred on the attack, and that voice sounded vaguely familiar. Conan plowed through the clinging, hacking shapes toward the voice. A faint light gleaming momentarily through the drifting clouds showed him a tall, gaunt man with a great livid scar on his temple. Conan's sword sheared through his skull as through a ripe melon. Then an axe swung blindly in the dark, crashed on the king's bassinet, filling his eyes with sparks of fire. He lurched and lunged, felt his sword sink deep, and heard a shriek of agony. Then he stumbled over a corpse, and a bludgeon knocked the dented helmet from his head. The next instant the club fell full on his unprotected skull. The king of Aquilonia crumpled into the wet sands. Over him, wolfish figures panted in the gloom. 
Strike off his head, muttered one. Let him lie, grunted another. Help me tie up my wounds before I bleed to death. The tide will wash him into the bay. See, he fell at the water's edge. His skull split. No man could live after such blows. Help me strip him, urged another. His harness will fetch a few pieces of silver. And haste. Tiberio is dead, and I hear seamen singing as they reel along the strand. Let us be gone. There followed hurried activity in the darkness, and then the sound of quickly receding footsteps. The tipsy singing of the seamen grew louder. In his chamber, Publio, nervously pacing back and forth before a window that overlooked the shadowed bay, whirled suddenly, his nerves tingling. To the best of his knowledge, the door had been bolted from within. But now it stood open, and four men filed into the chamber. At the sight of them, his flesh crawled. Many strange beings Publio had seen in his lifetime but none before like these. They were tall and gaunt, black-robed, and their faces were dim yellow ovals in the shadows of their coifs. He could not tell much about their features, and was unreasoningly glad that he could not. Each bore a long, curiously mottled staff. "'Who are you?' he demanded, and his voice sounded brittle and hollow. What do you wish here? Where is Conan, he who was king of Aquilonia? demanded the tallest of the four, in a passionless monotone that made Publio shudder. It was like the hollow tone of a Keithan temple bell. I, I, do, I do not know what you mean, stammered the merchant, his customary poise shaken by the uncanny aspect of his visitors. I know no such man. He has been here, returned the other, with no change of inflection. His horse is in the courtyard. Tell us where he is before we do you an injury. Jebal! shouted Publio frantically, recoiling until he crouched against the wall. Jebal! The four Kithans watched him without emotion or change of expression. If you summon your slave, he will die warned one of them, which only served to terrify Publio more than ever. Jebel, he screamed, where are you, curse you? Thieves are murdering your master. Swift footsteps padded in the corridor outside, and Jebel burst into the chamber, a Shemite of medium height and mightily muscled build, his curled blue-black beard bristling and a short leaf-shaped sword in his hand. He stared in stupid amazement at the four invaders, unable to understand their presence, dimly remembering that he had drowsed unexplainably on the stair he was guarding, and up which they must have come. He had never slept on duty before, but his master was shrieking with a note of hysteria in his voice, and the Shemite drove like a bull at the strangers, his thickly muscled arm drawing back for the disemboweling thrust, but the stroke was never dealt. A black-sleeved arm shot out, extending the long staff. Its end but touched the Shemite's brawny breast, and was instantly withdrawn. The stroke was horribly like the dart and recovery of a serpent's head. 
Jeevil halted shortly in his headlong plunge, as if he had encountered a solid barrier. His bull head toppled forward on his breast, the sword slipped from his fingers, and then he melted slowly to the floor. It was as if all the bones of his frame had suddenly become flabby. Publio turned sick. Do not shout again, advised the tallest Keithan. Your servants sleep soundly, but if you awaken them they will die, and you with them. Where is Conan? He has gone to the house of Servio, near the waterfront, to search for the Zingaran Beloso, gasped Publio, all his power of resistance gone out of him. The merchant did not lack courage, but these uncanny visitants turned his marrow to water. He started convulsively at a sudden noise of footsteps, hurrying up the stair outside, loud in the ominous stillness. "'Your servant?' asked the kitten. Publio shook his head mutely, his tongue frozen to his palate. He could not speak. One of the kittens brought up a silken cover from a couch and threw it over the corpse. Then they melted into the tapestry, but before the tallest man disappeared he murmured, talk to this man who comes and send him away quickly if you betray us neither he nor you will live to reach that door make no sign to show him you are not alone and lifting his staff suggestively the yellow man faded behind the hangings publio shuddered and choked down a desire to wretch it might have been a trick of the light but it seemed to him that occasionally those staffs moved slightly of their own accord, as if possessed of an unspeakable life of their own. He pulled himself together with a mighty effort, and presented a composed aspect to the ragged ruffian who burst into the chamber. "'We have done what you wished, my lord,' this man exclaimed. "'The barbarian lies dead on the sands at the water's edge.' Publio felt a movement in the auras behind him and almost burst from fright. The man swept heedlessly on. "'Your secretary, Tiberio, is, is dead. The barbarians slew him and four of my companions. We bore their bodies to the rendezvous. There was nothing of value on the barbarian except a few silver coins. Are there any further orders?' "'None!' gasped Publio, white about the lips. "'Go!' The desperado bowed and hurried out, with a vague feeling that Publio was both a man of weak stomach and few words. The four kittens came from behind the arras. "'Of whom did this man speak?' the taller demanded. "'Of a wandering stranger who did me an injury,' panted Publio. "'You lie,' said the kitten calmly. "'He spoke of the king of Aquilonia.' I read it in your expression. Sit upon that divan and do not move or speak. I will remain with you while my three companions go search for the body. So Publio sat and shook with terror of the silent, inscrutable figure which watched him, until the three kittens filed back into the room with the news that Conan's body did not lie upon the sands. Publio did not know whether to be glad or sorry. 
We found the spot where the fight was fought, they said. Blood was on the sand, but the king was gone. The fourth kithen drew imaginary symbols upon the carpet with his staff, which glistened scalily in the lamplight. Did you read naught from the sands? he asked. Aye, they answered. The king lives, and he has gone southward in a ship. The tall kithen lifted his head and gazed at Publio, so that the merchant broke into a profuse sweat. What do you wish of me? he stuttered. A ship, answered the kithen, a ship well manned for a very long voyage. For, for how long a voyage? stammered Publio, never thinking of refusing. To the ends of the world, perhaps, answered the kithen, or to the molten seas of hell that lie beyond the sunrise. End of chapter 14